Good morning. Welcome to another episode on the Duan Marrero podcast. This is your host, Duan Marrero. Have Rob McGuire in the nest directing this program. Last night, I went to uh, Highland versus uh, undefeated Lake Central. I had Ryan Sexton on last uh, last week, along with Cathedral's Andre Wright. Uh, Cathedral came up here to the region to play Bishop Noel, but I, I wanted to go see Lake Central. And I just wanted to give a shout-out to their win and um, some of the players that, that played remarkably well, which was uh, Xavier Williams, uh, Cameron Thompson, who's their guard, uh, Zachary Green, um, and Dorian Betty, amongst their, their whole supporting cast. They had, a, they had a great win, and they're rolling right now undefeated. Um, and then last week also I went to go to Portage versus uh, Valparaiso. I went to go see specifically Jack Smiley. He had 18 points that game, and then – I ran across a, a good friend of mine's, uh, a great coach. He's a grinder like myself, um, the one and only Javier Heredia, IUN head men's basketball coach. It's a pleasure to have you on this morning, Coach. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Man, catch catch us up in your world. Haven't been to a game yet, um, unfortunately, due to my work schedule, but I want to catch it. I know you're a grinder. You and I go way back. So catch us up on your season, and, and before we talk about the Olivet, Nazarene game and the Purdue Northwest game. Just how's your season been going? How you've been feeling about your team right now? Uh, I think right now I feel really good about the team. Um, we got off to a pretty good start. Uh, faced some adversity within the team. Um, just kind of struggling to find our identity. Uh, basically going through growing pains. A lot of transfers coming in, a lot of JUCO guys. And um, it's one of those years, and I've had many of them, since being at IU Northwest, when you bring in um, two-year JUCO guys, it takes a while for it all to come together. And I think um, right now we're at that point where I think we're rounding the curve and we're going to make a strong push towards the end of the season into the postseason. Coach, being a head coach in your position is, is very hard. I have the utmost respect for head coaches, guys who year after year have to find a way to win ball games. How do you know what type of coach you're going to be year in and year out? Um, you know, that's that's a great question. I think every year you try to improve on what you've done, uh, not only X's and O's academically with the guys, with the program, but also how you manage and carry yourself as a coach, your philosophies. And um, I'll say this, I, I have a really good group of guys that I enjoy being around this year. Um, it's taken them a while to get the total buy-in. I think I have it, but it's just it's just a fun group to be around. And you you've been in many locker rooms, Rico. You know you know one or two seasons is like, oh man, I'm going to practice. I don't know what the hell I'm going to get myself into today. Absolutely. Or, you know where I know this year. I know exactly. I look forward to getting to practice. I look forward to seeing all the guys. And you know I don't have full access like every opponent does to their. They're their team. You know, my guys are all off campus. They're working jobs. They're taking online classes. Um, so it's it's a different environment because we don't we don't have that time together. So when I see them in the gym and it's all smiles, you see them stretching out, joking around. It's just a good feeling. It's a good vibe. And I, I like that, carrying that forward. And, and that's why I appreciate, like, having you on this morning because I don't necessarily have to see you play. I just – kind of know the mo of your team your personality and dna like me going to watch highland versus lake central right on a random tuesday night 
like I already knew the outcome of that game, but it's the 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 feeling that gives us that high when we're just in the gym hearing that ball bounce, right? Hearing the referee ref the game, that that competitiveness despite you already know how the game is going to go, but just being in that atmosphere, um, it's no feeling like it, Coach. Nothing at all. Nothing can beat it. That's why we fell in love with the game at a young age, and that's why we continue to be involved with the game. I um, I, I hit up Eric Rodon and um, see how he's doing um, briefly in the text. And, you know, I was like, man, give me some insight, you know, talk about with Coach Hav on air um, to our region and – one of the things he touched on, and I'm going to ask you this question also, was obviously recruiting local kids, you know, how much they've been able to contribute to your program, the way you play, and also shocked a lot of people. Recruiting local uh, region kids, I would love to have more of them. This would make my life a lot easier um, in, in regards to um, the students that come from Indy or Chicago. And, I, you know, I, re- I, I recruit heavily in Chicago. Uh, but the, the region kids, they bring they bring something special to the team each year, and, year. Um, and they and they've been contributors. Uh, even from when I had my first year, and at Justin Pendleton on the team, JJ and John Mosser, you know, he was an all area big for Valpo. Um, until today's team, where I got Ladanian Barnes, a Hammond Morning six five. Yeah, um, he's heavily in rotations. He's battled injuries all year, uh, high ankle sprains, I think twice already, and in an illness. And then I have another, um, just a competitor, fierce competitor, Nikki Flesher. He helped Andrew win those state championships, the state championship a few years back. Uh, but each year I bring in, you know, the region kids and they just, um, they're just, this, you know, they're hard nosed kids. I know what I'm going to get from them. Um, I've had a freshman step in in a couple big moments this year, Brandon Escobedo. Just Shout a out powerful. Wow. Yeah. Just a, Rico, he won us our first, uh, first game on the road. We had just a matchup problem. We were getting to know each other, and um, they just had a they had a wide body big that you know he was just he was too much in the paint for us. And in the second half, I threw Brandon at him, and Brandon said, "I'm a wall coach. He, he's not going to back me down." And respect. Uh, and sure enough, he came in. He he didn't score. He, I think that big went over six in the second half, and then we he came back. We won the first game in the road, and it's all that's all because of Brandon and his toughness he brought to the game and the confidence he had. That I mean that speaks volume. For you, coach, the type of coach you are, the way you get your guys to play hard for you, how are you able to recruit these guys to play hard and buy in to your philosophy? What's been your philosophy to get these kids to buy in? I think the the getting them to play hard is is this has been the easier of the two tasks. Um, you know, I think the style of practices we have, uh, the intense um, coaching staff we have. And then uh, I know when they come in and I go recruit them, Rico, I, do, I know what kind of product I'm getting as far as you can see if they have that motor, they have that dog, they have that, ooh, I'm going, you know, whatever it takes to win. You know that coming in. It's the buy-in part you don't see when you're in the recruiting process. Like, you don't see the day-to-day actions they have with their teammates, the day-to-day interactions they have in the locker room. And so – when I'm able to get a talented group in like I got this year and to get them on the same page and get the buy-in um, with the talent and, the you know, that dog I have in them, it's a beautiful thing. And um, my teams are kind of known, Rico, to go on good stretches at the end of the season. I know one year we finished with a 10-game win streak, another year a 11-game win streak, and I'm, I'm feeling good about, you know, heading to the semest- second semester. It's the dog days right now, right? 
whether that's high school, college basketball. How, what's the message to your team right now in January coming off that holiday break to, to remain locked in, focused? Hey, remember the goal on why you're here. Um, it's conference time right now, Rico. I think uh, at all levels of college and, and in high school especially, um, we are on a Wednesday, Saturday, you know, regimen every week, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, and those games are conference games. So um, the message to the guys is to be locked in and be, you know, get on the routine. And, we, you know, I give them a, a, a regiment, a routine, a schedule, and stick to it. And, and the team that's the most locked in is the team that's going to be better to prepare and you prepare to win. You don't prepare to lose. And I think I have that. I think the guys are locked in and I, I feel good. You know, now as a player and in a mentor role now, right, for work, and I, I see what my former coaches used to talk about us when our, our body language at practice, how we warm up, because you wake up, it's not sunny, right? It's not warm. You're, let's say you're losing, right, or you didn't have the best game, and it's like, man, I got to practice. I got to hear Coach Hobb yell today. I, I don't feel like running, right? And And now I'm starting to see it from a, 360 angle uh, and then it's it's interesting to see now on the business side and you know watching you do your job man that's why I have the utmost respect for you I think right now is about you know you talking about the dark days of you know the long winters during basketball season and uh, uh, seasonal depression a little bit and mm-hmm. sometimes shiny um, but this is especially with young men and the type of men I have on my team, it's just, you know, it's the point I try to drive into them. Uh, you get up every single day and you have to work. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. Um, it doesn't matter if you're a manager at a factory, you're a coach, you're an educator, um, you're in the medical field. You, you, you get up with the same attitude to win the day and you have to bring that. And, and you know, when especially when you get – I have juniors and seniors, Rico, a lot of them, um, JUCO transfers and, you know, yeah. hey, the ball's bounce, it's going to stop bouncing real soon, so embrace this. Embrace it. It's going to be over. Embrace every second of it. Embrace the bus rides, the locker room, trash talking, uh, the, the grind of the practices, the prepare, preparing for the, you know, the game, the warm-ups, the victories, the losses. Just embrace everything. Coach, let's, let's start off with the huge victory against Purdue Northwest. Um, you guys won by nine. Talk about that game and – was there any emotions into that game with you and your locker room and obviously the urgency to, to win that victory? Can you kind of recap that, that, that win for those that didn't know you, you beat Purdue Northwest? Uh, just going into the game, um, we were kind of on a losing skid. Saturday injuries. Um, we had our – we had a big pickup at semester. He was with us all year. Just had to get his grades uh, situated. He was an All-American last year at a JUCO level. Just, uh, you know, a bigger point guard. Um, and I just felt good. We, we were coming off a road, road loss, gave the guys a day off in between, and we showed up for a nice little shoot around. The guys seemed locked in, and then I had a few of my uh, re, uh, returners come to me, Coach, this is a different team today. Moving forward, we're a different team. And we just felt good. We didn't prepare a whole lot for the game, Rico. Uh, we, we were stuck to what, you know, IU in basketball and what that means and what we're trying to do. And especially with their offensive defensive philosophies and they they came out they played the win and um you know i, I felt like uh we controlled most of the game and um and we held held the lead and uh came out with the victory and it's just hats off to the guys realizing what we got the type of talent we got and what happens when you have buy-in 
and that's why I feel good moving moving forward. 100%. That's a great region basketball right there. And then after you win by nine, I know the locker room, you know, everyone's happy, looking forward to the next game, right? I'm pretty sure you told them, enjoy this win. But then on the six, you know, on the new year, you have Olivet Nazarene. Um, I remember watching those guys even at the JV, not the, the varsity, but I, I respect their program a lot. Um, I know they're always a disciplined team, but – you know, it was a close one, 102 to 98. You know, take us back, if you don't mind, um, what happened that game. Oh, no problem. Once again, we continued the momentum off of PNW, and Olivet's ranked 13th in the country. Um, and so, you know, topping our conference, and they have one of the uh, best NEI players in, in the country, and uh, Tyler Schmidt. Uh, and so, um, our guys are ready. Enrico, you know, um, you don't pinpoint any place why you won our loss, but uh, we had a lead with 30 seconds to go, and uh, it was just kind of unfortunate uh, mishap with the clock on our home court. And, uh, you know, it's uh, a horn after inbound skill we had for a transition dunk, and it was taken away, and uh, kind of the wheels came off after that. and We lost focus, and we didn't even close the game. So we're going to learn from that, but we know within the locker room that, you know, we're here. We turned the corner. We took. We beat the number 13th team in the country in the NEIA, and um, you know it just slipped away. And we lost our cool, but we're we're gonna we're gonna bounce back, and, that, and we're like, gonna continue this momentum. We're in the we're in the business of winning basketball games. And how furious were you? Rob was actually calling that game. Rob's going to chime in to to get you know give his opinion and thoughts. But how much did it take you at least to hold your composure? you know, if you did that, that, that evening? I don't felt like I held my composure as I should have. Um, but as a we regroup as a team and I kept, you know, hammering home and you heard this, uh, this say many times being a player and a coach, Rico, you know, next play mentality, right. we're going to win this game, believe. And, uh, and it took us, it took us a little bit too long to, to get that play, you know, behind us. You know, my guys were locked in, and we had a, a, a just a turnover that we never had. And then, you know, and then it gave all the momentum to Olivet, and they that carried them to the victory in overtime. But, um, you know, I think most of us lost our composure that time. But there was a buildup, uh, unfortunate circumstances throughout the game. And um, but you, you you learn you learn a lot of a lot of lessons to be taught in basketball and. I think everyone in the locker room and the coaching staff, we learned a lot and, you know, just ready for the next one. Rob, what what you see out there, you know, players, I mean, the uh, people, personnel messing up on the box score at the time because I always hear college coaches, right, no matter what level, um, they have a lot of questionable calls that, you know, go back to the cameras to see or that call shouldn't have been called. You know, people make mistakes, but what you see out there, Rob, that um, calls IU win – Kind of winning this ball game. Yeah, it was just a. It was a really. It was a. As you said, coach, it was a, just a tough thing to happen in the moment. Um, you know, you had that breakaway dunk, and then right after that, I believe they ended up hitting uh, Schmidt, and then he ended up uh, hitting that three to cut it to a two-point game. Right after that, but one of the biggest things I saw in this game, I believe it was around maybe the 15-minute mark or maybe the 17-minute mark in the second half. Um, Jennings got in foul trouble. He had to take him out. And then in, come, in came Lillard, and Lillard played a fantastic game against Olivet. 
Um, he was him, uh, Houston, as well as Brian Hernandez off your bench. Uh, three guys that were off your bench in double figures and seven total. So uh, I want to hear what do you have to say? As you said, you know, next guy up mentality on, on your team. And you had that same rotation in the second half because they were feeling it. And me and um, my guy, John, that were calling the game, we were run, wondering when's Jennings going to come back in, you know, having that size. But you ran with that lineup the entire time. I just want to know about the next man up mentality for this team um, over there for your Red Hawks and, you know, the kind of atmosphere you guys have as a team in general. Von Von Rivers, he's been a on and off starter. So when uh when subbing it, subbing him in for Jennings, I felt pretty good. Um, and then we went with the in that second half, we went on a run and we went with the uh, untraditional smaller lineup with Jalen Houston, Brian Hernandez, and uh, the newer point guard Trace Williams with uh, you know six six Sponge and six seven Vaughn. And um, you know those guys were able to get stops and put together a run. And um, you know they got us. Uh, uh, I think within uh, a possession or two of the lead, and then I put the subs back in, not Jennings, but the kind of the longer guards I have, and then we were able to, you know, recapture the lead and get a five-point lead. So um, everyone in the locker room, next play mentality. You know, it's hard. I've had I've switched up the starting lineup throughout the year, throughout the season. Um, when you have depth and when all of your guys are healthy um, and um, you finally get, you know, your top eight, um, I think the top eight, anyone can start. Um for, for us, I just uh, I like the matchups, and I just like you know how you know the combination of players, how they how they work together in practice, and that's kind of you know my my game plan going into uh, each uh, each contest. Yeah, it was uh, truly uh, a great thing to watch, especially when you first saw the game. You know, uh, Olivet came out firing, jumped out to a lead. What did you tell your players right after that uh, timeout that you had? Um, what what were you trying to do to get them back into that game? You know, it's a um, you're facing the number 13 team in the country in the NAIA level. It's uh, no easy feat, you know, being able to keep this super close and nearly winning the game is uh, is fantastic. But what did you tell them after they jumped out to that quick lead and you guys were able to come back? I was all about energy, energy and effort, and they agree. So when I called the timeout, guys, I don't feel like I'm getting a maximum energy and effort from you guys. And then, uh, you know, Danny Smith stepped up in, the, in that hell and said, we're not coached. Always got to do better, and he kind of, you know, repeated the message I was saying. So, guys, we're not, we're not putting everything into this right now. We got to step above. We got to have more energy. And um, after that timeout, you, you could kind of just see it. You could see it in our step and our energy, and it and it, and it helped us, you know, narrow that gap going into halftime. Coach, you had forty-five rebounds to their thirty-six. How often do you preach gang rebound? Rico, I love rebounding. One of my things. And that, I didn't have to know, be there I, to know that, actually, because I was a rebounder, and I know how valuable it is to get second-chance points to get a new possession. I bring in every recruit, and there's been a few years that, you know, typically we're top five in rebounding, and I think to the slow start after uh, this season, we're winning our struggles. We weren't rebounding well, but um, owning the boards is huge. Second-chance points, every rebound is just another opportunity to score – and not a, and a, and a limit to opportunity for your opponent to score. That's how I look at it. And so more opportunities to score just makes sense when it, you know, in the game of basketball to me. So um, I just always, you know, put an emphasis on go crash boards, kick the ball, rebound, rebound with purpose. And you mentioned, you know, Dewan, you mentioned the 45 rebounds, but not only was it 45 rebounds, it was 19 offensive boards. And you mentioned, you know, just crashing the glass – 
And even like, you know, 22 of 27 from the free throw line, you could tell what you're preaching in practice, you know, make your free throws, also get these rebounds. Uh, how much of it do, do you think it means these people don't look at it as the big things in basketball? You know, they look at just points in general. But how much do you preach these little things that mean so much to the game? Uh, the crashing offensive board is kind of a staple for um, IU Northwest men's basketball. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, shot goes up and you're on the weak side. I just can't stand. I just don't like when if the shot goes up on the weak side and you're just ball watching, you're tiptoeing back on defense. Um, go read the angle on the shot. Go get the board. And it's always it's a challenge for now challenge individuals. Uh, you, you're averaging 10. Imagine if you got two offensive pullbacks. Now you got 14. Or if you're having a good game and you you know you got 14, and I'll break down how they would get their points, and then they'll say. Once you won 18, it would be a lot cooler, wouldn't it be? So go get an offensive board. And so it's about buy-in for individuals and then getting the buy-in for the entire team to, you know, go clean up the glass. And then I love seeing the faces on the opponents, the other coaches. You know, coaches can't stand giving up offensive boards. So when you see that, it's harder to leak out because now you got to hold your box out longer and kind of even the playing field. Absolutely, Coach. And, you know, my teammates used to tell me the ones who have families – when it's a rough day in the office, you know, their kids don't really care about the game. They're just happy to see dad. How do you disconnect from a a game like that? You know, everyone's intense, but then you go home to the family and you necessarily can't always carry that over, right? You try not to. So how do you disconnect in those type of situations and kind of wake up like, all right, let me prepare for this next game? So um, it, there's, there's two answers to that for me. Um, my family is heavily involved, and I'm blessed and super lucky to have a supportive awesome. wife. And she, she actually works at IU Northwest, and um, my daughter was at the game, and then my son is always the water boy when he's not you know, involved doing his other things for school. He's in third grade. So it's a, it's a family thing, and, um, you know, uh, and my players, my wife treats them as, you know, as, you know the, the players are just extended family. Right. You know, we love those guys. And so it's hard not to bring it home. And that one right. we did bring home. We did talk about it. But, um, you know, my wife poured me a nice little drink when I got home. Absolutely. The laptop was set up. And then I just dove in. I was so upset. I dove into the Justin film for the next two hours and, and started doing the scout report. I put all my energy into work. And then when I closed the laptop, went upstairs and hung out. We played games and, uh, you know, board games upstairs with the family. And it was, it was a good time. It was a good Saturday night. No matter what, win or loss, is you come home and you're lucky as, that, as I am and you have a good Saturday night playing board games. It's a, it's a win for me. That's that's dope. And also, um, before we switch gears, and you know, I know you got to go, Coach, I thought it was pretty dope that your players came to assist you to watch the game, uh, Portage versus Valpo. What you what you think about that game? Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm a Portage resident. Um, I, I in Some of the neighborhood kids, especially on my street uh, – our starters for um, Portage. Um, my son plays for the Portage Youth League. Um, so, you know, we're kind of involved in Portage uh, athletics and stuff. So anytime I'm out recruiting, there's a, if there's a player I'm recruiting, they're at Portage, I'm going to go see them. Um, it's just, you know, it just makes sense, right? So it's easier to travel. I'm home sooner. Um, but, um, you know, there was a my, – my assistant coach, Allison Sanders, um, he, he, he brought through my starters to the game and they're, you know, they're Illinois guys, they're Chicago kids. 
And you got to see what Indiana basketball is about. And he kept challenging them. He said, you know, there's going to be a good game tonight. Vopel versus Portage. Is that Portage? Mike school I attended. And so they went. And they, they really enjoyed the game. They really did. And so, um, you know, it's nice to see that, to have players come. I'll bring players with me when I'm really uh, recruiting high school kids to introduce them and, uh, you know, to welcome them. And, you know, we're recruiting Big Jalen from Portage. We'd love to have him in our program. Um, we're going to get him out of visit soon. So, um, you know, it was worthwhile. They got to see him. Like, Coach, yeah, we could definitely use him. Once I agree. Once again, guys, we have uh, Javier Heredia, uh, Indiana University Northwest men's basketball coach on air with myself and, and Rob. Coach, last two segments before I let you go. What did you think about the Portage and the EC game and EC holding the ball and Portage waiting, you know, trying to decide what they were going to do? That clip went viral all across the, the Internet. And so I wanted to pick your brain real quick on it, if you don't mind giving me your thoughts. I mean, my personal opinion, yeah, I think I think uh, I won't get much argument from you or uh, anyone else in the studio. Um, I'm a believer that uh, high school basketball needs to have a shot clock. Amen. Um, 100%. I, I, I really do. I Now, it could be an extended shot clock, maybe 45 seconds, to prevent anyone from holding the ball like that. But with that being said, there's no shot clock. So whatever strategy, you know, those coaches are going to choose to do, sit in a zone and hold the ball, you know, it's a game of chess, um, trying to one-up each other. And, um, you know, I've been in, you know, when I was at Bishop No, we've been in those circumstances as well. Um, so it, Same it's here. a tough call. On the, the um, short end of the stick when I was at Bowman, having to you know, go to man when that happened. It's tough. And, you know, it's a, it's a game of chess. And, um, you know, I don't know if I would would have done it. And, you know, if I'm a, you know, if I'm there recruiting, I don't know if I would love it um, because you can't see much of the player. Right. Uh, not as much as you would like. Once again, that's not going to stop me from recruiting that kid either. And why you know? And why would you need a shot clock too? you know, for those that hear you, they was like, well, why we need a shot clock, Hav, when we could just stick to our traditional way of playing basketball? I mean, in everything in life, you know, change is good, I think, and progression is good. And uh, I think shot clock is just going to prepare um, – Student athletes are going to play at the next level, whether it's D3, NEIA, D2, JUCO. This is going to prepare them. Um, and I think it, it speeds up the game just a tad bit. So um, it just, I think it makes, I think if you ask players, I think they would agree. I think if you took a poll of high school kids throughout the state of Indiana, um, varsity players, I think they would agree they would, they would want a shot clock. And I, I'm not too sure when you get to Central and Southern Indiana what the coaches would say, but. Um, I think it speeds up the game. I think it's better for the game. I don't think they need a short shot clock, you know, something reasonable, but to prevent from holding the ball for, you know, minutes on end, um, I just would like to see uh, just a little bit more faster-paced game. Yeah, I'm right with you there on that. I uh, Here I cover plenty of high school games, and when you see them holding for over a minute, minute and a half, I was like, come on, let's let's get this going along. But I wanted to ask you a question. You know, you just mentioned uh, you being at Bishop Knoll. I also, also I'm a, I'm a graduate of Bishop Knoll. Uh, I've been doing a couple of their games recently. Um, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see them at all this year. See what's going on. Uh, what do you think of the team? Uh, like, and then also, is there any teams around here that you've seen that you think could maybe run down this year, maybe get a chance uh, making a state championship? 
Um, I haven't went out and seen John's team. Um, John was my point guard on, uh, you know, those, you know, those really good years at Bishop No when, uh, we used to battle Rico all the time at Bowman, but, um, respect. I seen John, I seen him in the summertime. I know he has a wealth of talent, good guards. He brought in some, uh, I, I believe some bigger wings from Hammond Central and, um, John's a good coach. He's dedicated. He works hard. Um, so I, I think they're on my recruiting list to go see within the next week. Uh, but I believe they're in 2A still, correct, guys? Uh, 3A? 3A now. Three, yeah, yeah three they're moving now. up. Yeah. Oh, okay, they moved up. Okay. Um, you know, I think, I mean, they got to be a factor, I think, you know, going to the sectional and regionals. they got to be, you know, if I'm going to label them as a favorite, they are. And then as far as the uh, the landscape of region basketball, I think there's a lot of good teams this year. I think there's a lot of evenly matched teams, um, you know, um, Vopel's tough. Portage played him neck to neck. Portage on the little losing streak. Portage usually get turned it around. They have a wealth of talent. East Chicago, a lot of talent. And then the kind of that, not really surprising because I know Sexton's a really good coach, but Lake Central's hot right now. You know, 12 and 0. Um, you know, and a couple of their players are on our radars, on our top of our recruiting boards that, you know, we're, we're making efforts to go see and recruit as well. So I think the region's in, in a good spot. This, uh, just a lot of competitive basketball, competitive teams. I love it. And, and that's why I went to go see Lake Central. I mean, despite them playing Highland, right, I was like, you know, you want to see how they do against teams that are struggling this year and um, what guys come in and, and play and kicking in the gear. But nevertheless, Coach Hav, you got Judson tonight. Good luck. You're on the road. So thanks for uh, calling in WJOB. And this episode is going to be out within 30 minutes too, Hav, and I apologize. I was looking for the episode. We have a Dropbox now because we do a, try to do it weekly, and I was happy we crossed paths to get you on here and update us on your season. Appreciate you having me, Rico. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Rob, you got anything before we let Coach Hav go? No, uh, nothing else. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, good luck the rest of the season. I'm sure I'll be at uh, some more games covering you guys. Uh, on the 13th. I'm looking at their schedule. They play Trinity Christian. Yep, on I w, will be there that day. On WJOB. Yeah, plenty of, plenty right. of uh, conference games coming up, a road game today. So good luck on the rest of the season, and I'm sure I'll be seeing you uh, at the games. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Coach. Take care. All right. Man, that was, that was great. I was happy to have Coach Hav. I, I felt so bad because he asked me, like, hey, Reek, where's the episode? And I was like, man, because I was trying to hit that 200 milestone. And, um, it was great timing. I was like, "Hey, Wednesday at nine, let's let's connect." And um, yeah, I, I was excited to catch up with him. He's a grinder, and um, you know, being a head coach is hard, Rob. There's a lot of responsibilities and a lot of hats you got to wear. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you see with plenty of guys that you have um, around here. You see, you know, you, you, it's so much passion you have going into it. You got to be a coach. You know, you remember the days of you playing the sport, and you want to see the success in them. And you want to be that coach that you always wanted, right? Right. So you just want to give that to the players that you have. So you could just imagine the amount of stress. And then you have to also balance the work and life yeah. going with everything. So I could just imagine how hard it would be. Um, I've always wanted to get back in. I've always wanted to get into coaching, especially baseball. Uh, I haven't done it yet, but I think one day I, I really do want to try it. But I give my caps off to every single coach that you see around here. You know, They got the love for all of their players, and it, you could definitely see and feel it. Uh, every time you watch the games you know yesterday Purdue lost to Nebraska against 
Nebraska. Uh, at Nebraska, I'm sorry. That was a tough game. I watched. I, I love watching basketball, sports in general, but when a team loses, I love hearing the post-game speech because you get their true outlook and perspective on the game. And um, it's just raw, authentic, majority of the time. And then I, I watch IU took a defeat to uh, uh, Rutgers. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, wow. You know, but one of the players that uh, that I know very well, I covered him in high school, is C.J. Gunn. He's starting to get some minutes for uh, IU. And Painter said this, Rob, uh, on his post game. He said that, you know, when you play Purdue – most people, some gyms need to be prepared for courts being stormed. Um, and that that kind of stood out to me because uh, Nebraska kind of stormed the court. And Fred Hoiberg used to be the coach of the Bulls. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you saw saw that yesterday, that Purdue went down and IU went down. So I wish Jimmy was here so I could uh, elaborate, talk with him about that. Yeah, it wasn't a great uh, day for college basketball in the state of uh, Indiana, especially at the, the Notre Big Dame. No, Notre Dame did get the dub against Georgia Tech. Okay. Yeah, last night. How's uh, how's um, Burton been playing? You know what? Um, he's been getting a lot of recognition. Um, a lot of people didn't know how the team was going to be. Um, we all knew about Shrews and what he's capable of, and he's a winning coach, and he brings that winning attitude to South Bend. But Marcus Burden is holding his own, man. He he surprised me as well. Um, and he's going to continue to evolve and get better. I think he's a four-year player. I, I hope he doesn't, you know, think too ahead of himself and, you know, try to leave or, or transfer because I, I think he's a good pillar to uh, the Fighting Irish. What you think of the football game, national championship? I was I expecting. You watched it. Yeah, I watched it. I was expecting a little bit better from Washington, um, you know, uh, being an IU guy and uh, seeing Penix, you know, where he started to where he's at now. He's old. Um, it's like six, six year. And, uh, it's college. crazy. He's still only 23. It's, yeah. uh, um, it shows how young he came in, but with all the injuries he battled in his time at Indiana, I was going for them. Uh, but they, they, had, uh, they, they, they had no match for Michigan's defense. Uh, everything that Michigan did uh, defensively. I mean, they weren't even blitzing, and they were getting to him every single time and then just running all over them as well. I mean, I think they ran for 300 yards. So it was uh, it was pretty hard to watch, uh, and he was just getting beat up. You saw how hurt he was by the end of the game. Right. Um, so, you know, shout-out to everyone over there at, at Michigan getting it. It hurts me. I don't want to see Michigan win titles, but they were truly the best team in the country this year. Hey, Jim, Jim Harbaugh and got the guys to believe him and buy in and – they went on an undefeated season with all the turmoil, with all the adversity. And one of these, one of the statements he made that really stood out to me as a head coach, he said, we have an edge over most opponents because of how together our guys in it. That really stood out to me. Um, because when you do have a, a team that everyone is selfless and buys in and don't necessarily care who gets the recognition, I think that's, that's pretty dope and that does give you a, an edge over your opponent. Uh, with everything that was been going on in uh, Ann Arbor and uh, Jim Harbaugh, is he going to the NFL? I don't know. I mean, the rumors was he was going to the Bears, but uh, major news actually came out about the Bears while we were doing the show. Uh, they fired their offensive coordinator and their quarterback coach, but they're keeping Matt Eberflus. So John Jim Harbaugh will not be heading to Chicago. So I wonder if he does come to the league, where he would end up going, but. Um, for me as a Bears fan, this looks like there's a higher chance of them keeping Justin Fields. 
which I am very happy about. So uh, we will see what ends up happening. Uh, the draft ends up, is coming up in April. Uh, plenty of things to, that could happen in Chicago. But, yeah, Matt Eberflus is going to uh, stay. But Luke Getz, has gone, and that's what I've been proclaiming has been the issue all year, that we need some guy that can actually call plays and knows what he's doing when he's uh, out there. So I hope it ends up working out. Where were you? And uh, give us a recap. Uh, the Packers playing the Bears at Lambeau Field. Uh, I was actually I, I was in my room watching the game. I worked uh, plenty of hours uh, Friday and Saturday, so I needed some rest. You're right. Uh, and so I was in there uh, watching the game. But I mean, the offense just had nothing. You you saw the the game plan. It's it's almost like he copied and pasted from Week One against the Packers. It was a uh, horrible to watch. Uh, the defense that even play great, but what's the defense going to do? They're going to be tired when they're on the field the entire time. Your offense is run, run, pass, but it's not even you're trying to get a play action, get, getting guys out in motion, get fields out of the pocket. Just run, run, hey, let's try to hit a deep pass. The same thing. I'm glad Getzy's gone. And I told my dad because Getzy actually came from Green Bay. I was like, it's like he has right. some vendetta. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, still, he's still trying to collude with uh, Green Bay to make the Bears lose. But um, I'm 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 very happy he just got fired. Yeah, that's uh, a lot of people, a lot of football fans were pretty upset because that was, you know, typically the last week what for the regular season. Yeah, yeah. Last last week, and then uh, playoffs kick in. When does playoffs start? This Saturday. Who's the matchups? Who are you rooting for? <sighs> Anybody specifically you got winning the Super Bowl? Did you place any bets yet? I have one bet. Um, I placed a. Uh, a futures, uh, one team from the AFC, one team from the NFC to meet. I got the Browns and the Lions just because I want to see two new teams, but I think it's very possible. But uh, this week in the wild card, you have Cleveland facing Houston, Miami against Kansas City, uh, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Green Bay, Dallas, uh, L.A., Detroit, and Philadelphia, Tampa. I, I think they're all good games. I'm not sure if you saw about the weather that's going to be in Kansas City this weekend. Yeah. Um, but it may be historic of how crazy the weather is going to be. That's uh, That's been the – that was the talk of the town about um, Miami having to play in below zero weather. Yeah, and uh, they said that – so it's going to be, yeah, about negative nine with the wind chill, I believe. Or it could predicting? be negative nine before the wind chill, and it's 73 degrees in Miami that same day. What are you predicting the, the outcome to be? I think it's going to end up being a running game. Um, if you look at the line right now, they're having it at Kansas City three and a half. Uh, no, it's at four and a half now. It was at three and a half. So I th I think Miami, they do have the better running backs when you look at Mostert and you look at uh, Achan. But I, you can't, I feel like you just can't bet against Patrick Mahomes. They said the wind chill in Kansas Saturday um... – is now expected to be negative 21 degrees, the National Weather Service says. During the Dolphins-Chiefs game, it won't be as bad, though. The second half wind chill should be only negative 14 with the real temp of 4 degrees. Only. Only negative 14. <laughs> yeah. You know, shout out to those fans that are looking forward to being out there in the cold, layer up, layered up, and um, are, are true football fans because I, I, I can't imagine – being out there watching uh, a live football game um, in, in negative 14 degree weather. It's uh, I, I did it last year on Christmas Eve. Bear, How was it? Oh, it was uh, um, it, it was tough doing the Christmas Eve game. Uh, it was against the Bills, and uh, not this season, the season before, and it was like negative 25. 
with the wind yeah. chill. That, that, that was tough. Um, you had to go ahead and deal with that. But it is crazy when you actually look at the ticket prices for all the games, right? You know, it's the playoffs. Right. It's going to be more expensive. Yeah. Everything's in the hundreds, but then you look at the Kansas City game, you get it for $60. That, that, that's that, insane. People just want to get rid of it because right. they, they don't want no part of it. Yeah. You might as well just uh, book a suite. I wonder how much the suites are going for. Oh, uh, I'm sure that'll be uh, – I'm sure – Yeah. That, 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 those ones aren't, aren't going to go for cheap, but – uh, I also wanted to ask you something outside yeah. of uh, football. Yeah. Uh, let's hear about that uh, Lalamere tournament. Oh, the Lalamere. You know what? Great question. Um, I caught the games. Uh, I was very thankful for WJOB and Jim Delo and his team for preparing me to do a game analysis. It was a, uh audible call by one of my bosses. Normally I'm filming baseline, but he goes, hey, I need you to call the games with uh, Paul Harvey and um, – that Saturday, so I drove down, was was there. I had to call. My first game was against, uh, it was Legacy out of South Carolina versus uh, Sunrise Christian. And Sunrise Christian has uh, one of the most notable players. His name is Dave Castillo. He's going to play with Jerome Tang in uh, Kansas State. So that, that was really fun getting to uh, call that game. And Legacy had a few Division One prospects, so... I was nervous in the beginning uh, because my the guy I caught the game with was my boss. So um, I had him take off his his the boss hat and um, you know let's just talk sports and talk basketball. So those two guys, those two teams are at the bottom of the standings uh, for our Nike League Scholastic. So it was pretty tough for me to call those games because I was unfamiliar with those teams. I didn't cover them uh, on a day to day. But then that second game. I knew IMG Academy, so it was IMG versus Canyon International. And Canyon International is from Arizona. And so Canyon International has this kid named Amir Ali. He is going to uh, Arizona State uh, with uh, Coach Hurley. And they have a uh, Chicago landscape coach over there, uh, Nick Irvin, who used to be the coach at Morgan Park. He's on the Arizona State staff. So it was fun to, you know, call his game and then – IMG had a plethora of Division One talent. Uh, they have this kid named Donovan Freeman, who's going to Syracuse. Uh, Darius Acuff, who's number 15 in the country um, on ESPN. And then this other kid named Kanai Ruth, who is going to uh, University of Michigan. And Cole Serta, uh, he's a Chicago native, played for Illinois Wolves basketball program and is going to Notre Dame. So those IMG was the team that I had no issue calling. And then um, also, what else? That last finale game was Lalamere versus Wasatch. And Lalamere has five guys that's in the ESPN Top 100 named Jerry Easter, um, Jordan, uh, what is it? It was Jordan uh, Jordan Adams. No, I'm sorry, Darius Adams, Chuck Love, and this other kid named Steve Solano, Jalen Jalen Harrelson, uh, who's number 11th in the ESPN Top 100, he was out with an ankle injury. So I'll be seeing him this weekend in Massachusetts at the Hoop Hall Classic uh, in Springfield, Massachusetts. And then uh, who else was uh, Wasatch? Wasatch is out of Utah, and they have this kid named John Mobley who is going to Ohio State. Uh, He plays like Steph Curry, believe it or not. If you guys look him up, his, his name is John Mobley Jr., uh, Katino Mobley's son, mm-hmm. uh, who's really good. And then uh, we also have uh, Chris Newili, very athletic, played at Bishop Gorman. He's number 15 in the country. 
And so it, it was just really high-level basketball. Obviously, I'm able to run off these names because I had to actually study that whole day and be prepared to break down each possession when uh, Paul, he was doing the play-by-play. And so it was it was a long Saturday. So I tip my hat off to, to people who call games on a regular. Um, again, I thank Jim D'Lo and his team for helping me be prepared because of this studio. And Rafael Davis is a great friend of mine, and he calls for the Big Ten. So I was just a sponge, and I had a lot of great mentors who kind of helped me be prepared for that Saturday. So, uh, Rob, it was it was a long-winded Saturday, I would say. <laughs> Yeah, I believe you there. I was on the – I worked three games Saturday. Yeah. Uh, first uh, – You did it. You called did. two, produced one. Uh, so, yeah, I, I understand you completely. But would, uh, were you able to actually see um, uh, uh, Mello and his son uh, yes. as well? Yeah. So I was working remote. I was doing broadcast clips. So we have this software called Black Magic, the same thing that WJOB does when they're broadcasting the game. And – my responsibility the first two days, the fourth and the fifth, was to be remote on my laptop, take live play, turn it into a highlight, and take that 15 to 20 seconds and post it on social. So um, Mello was there with, with Lou High. They, they came into the region, which was pretty dope to see. Um, Kyan Anthony plays with this kid named VJ Edgecombe, um, who's a five-star prospect, most likely will be committed to Duke here. Uh, very soon. That that's my guess. I could be wrong. So it, it was nice to see Melo come to the region. That that was that was pretty fun to see. They play Lalamere. Lalamere actually went zero and two, but they played two of the top ten teams in the country, and um, it was an overall really really great event. How how is uh uh Kayan? You know he's really nice. He comes off the bench. I mean the players that who plays in front of him are five stars. You know. He's high, a junior, right? Yeah, he's a junior. High Division One prospects who are in front of him, but he does his his, his thing. I mean, he could potentially uh, play for the Bulls, right? Mm-hmm. Sarcastically, because they they need some help. And Cayenne is a guy that can play right away. He could start on any team. Um, he has the resources. He has the work ethic, um, and he's fun to watch. He's very entertaining, and he's very efficient. Also, coming off the bench, and he's a a great teammate. Also. So it was it was very nice to be able to like clip some of his clips and um, I, I enjoyed that whole event. So it was it was nice to have it in the region at the Laporte Civic Center. Um, and it was I was nervous though. Were you nervous when you when you called the games? I butcher a lot of people's names. That was one of the reasons why. Um, but I I actually kind of got a high from it calling the games and um, I always love constructive criticism. So that's one thing I always take away from is try to. You know, tell me the bat on how I could mm-hmm. be sharp and get better. But I actually got a high from it, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's uh, that was the first time I have called a game since I want to say maybe like 2020 or something. Yeah, at least a full game. Uh, remember last season, Jim was supposed to call a football game, and then oh, he decided to leave uh, yeah. in the third quarter. So I was like, all right, he's like, you're ta- you're calling it now. Um, but yeah, I, I I get where you're coming from about having that high because you know you're wa- you're watching the game, and then you get to do what you do when you're at home yeah you're, you're breaking down and i did the color as well as uh, like how you did so yeah. you know you're breaking it down and i'm i, I know the game i, I didn't yeah. play the game right so it's i'm seeing it differently than how you see it as well and that's how most color guys are there's no two that are the exact same but you're able to tell people what you think about certain plays and even uh sunny produced the game and he told me he saw the difference from the first game to the second game of how 
more comfortable and flow like I was flowing better right in the way I was doing it and there was a one great play I know we just talked to coach Hav but there was one great play where Houston went down hit this step back he shot it hit it off the glass mm. went in and it tied the game or got them the lead and I just went full Stacy King in that moment <laughs> said let me step back kiss yeah. myself bank is open after 5 p.m like there you go it just all rolled off the tongue you know but yeah it, it's 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 a great way of I think the best way you could have described it was getting that high from it because you you tru- you truly feel free when you're doing it. Absolutely, you lose your lose yourself watching the game. That's yes. the same thing from you know being a former athlete. It's lose yourself within the team. Understand like hey you know this is bigger than you. So get out your comfort zone. Stop being too cool. And I always was telling my co-host like hey tell me when I'm not pronouncing my words right or tell me to speak with more confidence or speak loudly so it was a dope experience and and i told my team i'm looking forward to uh doing again very soon i'll be going to the basketball hall of fame this weekend in massachusetts so that that's going to be pretty dope i leave friday morning but the weather looks like it's probably going to delay my flight maybe hopefully not because i fly united but i never been been to springfield massachusetts rob so i'm looking forward to seeing the basketball hall of fame yeah, it sounds like it could be a lot of fun. That's one thing that's on my bucket list. So definitely yeah. let me know how it is, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What you think about uh, how ironic was that we had Andre Wright from Cathedral as we wrap up? We got under five minutes, and um, they came up here and you know actually took care of business. Um, and and yeah, elaborate more on uh, what you thought about Cathedral. And I think I texted you. I don't know what I texted you. Let me double check. What he I told me, me. Uh, I think one of the dudes dropped what like thirty, right? Oh, oh, I was before that. It was uh, no Valparaiso was playing against Bishop No, and uh, no Brady Quayler. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Brady Quayler, who I said had numerous Division One offers, mm-hmm. and then I found out he put 29 points against the Warriors. Yeah, it's uh, uh it wasn't uh very close. I didn't get a chance to go to the game. I oh, wish I did. Okay. Um. But I, I was able to see some of the highlights. I believe uh, We Got Next was there. Yeah. So they posted some of Mario the highlights. We Got Next Hoops does a tremendous job doing coverage, uh, filming filming kids around here in the northwest Indiana area. Yeah, it was uh, it was close. But I, I think I read somewhere that this was actually Cathedral's closest game. Yeah, they've, they've been winning. Uh, and it was still like a 20-point deficit. But, I mean, it's one of their closest games. And shows how good how how good they are right but i think that th- there's deeper meanings to this game for noel right while many teams were taking time off over the christmas break they were playing right they were finding things to do and they're not only playing these you know just schools to hey let's go get a win they're playing schools that they're like all right we're ready for the postseason right you know playing thornton yeah playing cathedral come on they, these are some of the best teams in their individual states right Thornton played. Thornton played in Laporte. They played against uh, Richmond Heights out of Ohio. So Marez Johnson, who's going to University of Illinois, uh, he's fun to watch. Very entertaining. Blue collar player. Um, a dog on both ends of the floor. He dunks everything. Soft hands. Um, crashes very hard. Uh, but he's an everyday guy, locker room guy, and that's those are the kids I enjoy watching and covering. And um, it was dope. It was a dope week last week. I'm happy, Rob. You and I got to catch up and talk to Coach Hav and. You know, he talked about his wins and the loss, obviously, against Olivet, and uh, they played Judson. So, uh, great week of basketball, and uh, I'm excited until next time, Rob. Appreciate you.
Yeah, for sure, man. Thank you. 